Welcome to the Naked Wellness Podcast. As a qualified nutritionist, I'm here to strip away the nonsense and get down to the bare essentials of nutrition and wellness. Join us as we debunk myths, chat with top-notch experts, and serve up practical tips that will leave you feeling empowered. Get ready to uncover the naked truth about living your healthiest life. Let's undress. Welcome back to the Naked Wellness Podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me. I have Tiara Burton, who is a mindfulness coach, a freelance writer, a speaker, and emotional wellness coach who works with helping busy mums really find their inner calm in their lives. She empowers women and busy mums to really show up for themselves, and she really helps them through intentional healing, self-care, and as well as mental and emotional wellness, which obviously aligns very much with what I do health goes so much deeper than just what's on the surface it goes so much deeper than just food and exercise that mindset and really showing up for yourself is absolutely critical so welcome to I'm so so incredibly excited to have you here today thank you again for having me I'm so excited to be here thank you of course did you want to start off with telling us a little bit about yourself your own journey that you've gone on to be where you are today with helping so many other amazing women sure absolutely um again um tiara burden i am a mindfulness coach my mantra is sitting with it um i was one that really overworked myself i was busy i was uh doing all the things and you know, really started to find, tack my value on my to-do list and, you know, all the things that I could do. And I found myself kind of in like a dark place and not really knowing like who I was outside of my kids, outside of my job, outside of that to-do list. So it took me having to be intentional with slowing down um, and learning how to lean within and find my value within and learn how to be kind to myself. Um, again, I was someone that didn't want to feel and process my emotions. So I, I ignored how I felt a lot and ignored my body, ignored, you know, what, what it is that my body was trying to tell me as well with needing to slow down. Um, I lost my mom after having my third baby, which it really left me in, again, in another dark place. Um, because at the time I was grieving, but I didn't know that I was grieving. So I didn't have language for what I was feeling at that time. Um, it left me having panic attacks. I was getting very overwhelmed. I was having anxiety and all that. And that was because too, I was refusing to slow down. I was refusing to pause and, and really listen to what was going on inside of me. I thought that if I kept myself busy, I can ignore the pain of loss, but really during that time, I had to become intentional um, with taking care of myself because I ended up having like a, I want to say an anxiety attack or mental breakdown in the middle of changing my my baby. And I just really didn't know like what to do with those emotions. So I decided at that time that it was time for me to seek professional help. Um, and doing so, it led me on a journey of self-discovery. Um, it led me on the journey of really learning like what mindfulness was and how implemented into my life and also the journey of self-compassion because during those times with me ignoring my needs, ignoring what my body was telling me, I was not being compassionate towards myself. 
Anytime that we're, you know, ignoring and making ourselves busy to kind of, you know, not really sit with the pain and sit with whatever emotions that are coming up with us, that's not really us being compassionate and warm towards ourselves. You know, I like to think of self-compassion as just by definition, it's it's being warm to yourself and being um, kind to yourself the same way that you would treat a friend. So if you think about a friend that's having a hard time, you wouldn't ignore them, hopefully. <laughs> you wouldn't, you know, tell them, you know, no, you got to figure this out on your own. You would be understanding, you would be warm, you would be, you know, inviting. And so self-compassion is learning how to give yourself that same grace and understanding that we so freely give to everyone else. Um, So it took me having those rough moments to really get to, a point in my life where I had to become intentional with dealing with past traumas and seeing how it was affecting my my own motherhood journey and then just outside of being a mom how it's affecting me as a woman so I had to be intentional with getting to know me and sitting with my pain and my past and it, it's led me here to help other women do the same incredible what an amazing journey that you've been on I think like power to you for actually going through that and being like, okay, it's time for me to sit with that. Cause it's not easy. It's not easy to peel back those layers and go through the pain that you have to go through to get to the other side. And the brain is so powerful, right? Like your subconscious mind is purposely making you so busy and distracted because it is trying to keep you safe and it's trying to stop you from feeling those painful feelings because it knows how hurtful it can actually be. But I guess, what happens when you don't do that is like what what you went through like you get to a point where you just crack like you just break your body's like i can't do this anymore like i have to go through and sit through those emotions and hard times and process everything and grieve to actually be able to show up as that best version of myself as a wife as a mom as a colleague as a friend like whatever it is and you're right that self-compassion especially for women i feel like it almost, it doesn't come natural. We so easily stand in front of the mirrors or we wake up and we gravitate towards putting ourselves down and always picking out things that we want to change and improve on that. We never lift ourselves up like we would to all of those around us, which is just wild that that's the way that we automatically work. So I think it's just incredible the journey that you've been on and amazing that you've now got to this point where you help so many other women to discover their true potential within themselves and allowing them to actually learn how to have that self-compassion obviously for you and on your journey you know getting to that point where you're like okay something has to change you have to have a level of self-awareness which isn't necessarily the all always the easiest thing to do and have and it's very easy i guess to put a mask on almost and you know what is going on behind closed doors at home could be so different to how you're actually showing up around other people. And I think sometimes we put a mask on for so long that we almost end up convincing ourselves that we're okay, that it's gonna be okay, or that, well, this is just how I am, this is my life now. But for you, like, how do you, how did you go about actually discovering that self-awareness and what does it even mean to have self-awareness and how can other women start to, I guess, recognize that this is a journey that maybe they need to think about starting? Absolutely. So with self-awareness, it's being in tune with yourself. It's learning to lean within yourself. It's knowing your needs. It's knowing, you know, what makes me upset. It's knowing, you know, and even acknowledging your past traumas and things like that, that can shape like our personalities or how we interact with each other. Um, but it's basically just knowing you and fully viewing you with a level of acceptance that says this is all of me and that's okay so regardless if you're trying to i always say that you can't 
change you can't change yourself with shame you can or i'm sorry you can't shame yourself into change so it's like if we're not aware that shame even dwells there we're going to keep continuing those patterns we're going to keep continuing those mindsets that keep us from really growing and really you know maturing into the women that we want to be and it takes really being intentional with sitting down and you can start building awareness by just asking yourself questions. The same way you would get to know someone is the same way that you can have that conversation with yourself. It also requires a level of vulnerability. And so a lot of us, we are scared to be vulnerable. So we're scared to be vulnerable with each other. And then we have now this self vulnerability piece where I've learned that once we are open with ourselves, it makes it a little more easier to be vulnerable with those around us. And you can start practicing vulnerability by journaling, again, asking yourself those tough questions, you know, why do I feel this way? Or if you notice that you there's certain things in your life or day to day that starts to trigger you and make you really upset, you can stop and pause and say, you know, that made me react this way. What was it? Was it, you know, what brought me back into a moment that may have caused me pain? But it's us slowing down and being intentional with asking ourselves those questions. So again, we can get so caught up and we can get so busy. As you said, the brain is goes into self-preservation mode and we are into flight or flight or our nervous systems are all out of whack. We are not really fully giving ourselves permission to slow down. And two, with building self-awareness, you can ask yourself what's my relationship with rest? What makes me, you know, want to not slow down? What, what makes me want to, you know, go against really sitting and getting to know myself? Is it something that, is there parts of me that I'm still not ready to explore? Are there still parts of me that's under shame and under guilt and rejection? Um, so we can start to build self-awareness by asking ourselves those questions, but basically self-awareness is just leaning into you and getting to know yourself. Mm, I love all of that what you said about you can't shame yourself into change is so powerful. And I think that is something that I see play out time and time again with so many of my clients and with their binge eating is that if they go through an episode where they have binged and then they put themselves down, they, they beat themselves up, they just say some of the most awful things to themselves, it just happens again. Like it, it plays out again. But when they come from a place of self-compassion or self-awareness and they're like, okay, well, let me be curious about why this happened rather than putting myself down. Let me get, you know, feedback rather than thinking I failed. It plays out so different the next time because they've actually come from a completely different headspace rather than it being like a self-sabotage cycle that they are stuck in. So I absolutely love that. And vulnerability yeah, I don't know why in the world that we live in, it's almost like vulnerability is seen as being weak. But if you can lean into vulnerability with yourself and know that it's it's okay to rest, it's okay to be open, it's okay to feel emotions. And then if you are vulnerable with other people around you that, that you care about and that care about you, it actually allows you to connect on a whole new level, which I think is so incredibly powerful. And same as rest. Rest in today's like day is almost seen as like you're not working hard enough or you know you're not doing enough you're not enough in your life and I think that that can be almost such like a toxic mentality to go into and I 100% have been a victim of that of feeling like if I'm not busy and if I'm not stressed out and if I'm not go 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 I'm not doing enough if I take a day off to rest I'm unproductive and then like I have to make up for it the other days and I think like self-compassion comes into that as well, right? Like actually being able to give yourself advice that you would give to your best friend, like you mentioned earlier. And I think on that rest piece, 
how do you go about navigating and actually allowing yourself to take that time out to rest and recover when you need it without having those internal voices that are putting yourself down? Absolutely. For me, I had to change my perspective of rest. And that took me asking myself some very hard questions and kind of digging in to see, you know, what was my view of rest? I grew up with hearing that, you know, taking a nap during the middle of the day was lazy. So it's like I couldn't, for the longest time, I had to kind of teach myself how to be okay with taking a nap because it was so ingrained in me that you're being lazy, you know, you need to get up and do something. So it's like that was what was programmed in my mind. So I had to do a lot of unlearning, reprogramming, and relearning to change my view of rest as rest is being productive as well. We have different types of rest. You have you know, you can have a mental rest, you can have the physical rest, even emotional rest. So you have to ask yourself too, like, what type of rest am I requiring in this season? And again, it really took me with sitting down with those questions and being like, okay, you were taught this way, but now, you know, we can accept that part of us and say that that's okay. And, you know, help process through that with compassion, that that compassion piece was saying, this is how I thought before. And that's okay, but this is how I'm going to think now. And that leads the room to grace because when we're trying to unlearn things and learn new things, we need that grace and that space to try. So, you know, I, it took me, I, I kid you not, I would almost have a panic attack if I needed to call like off of work or something. And I could be, I had the flu once and was like panicking because I, you know, I was like, you know, I need to call off, but I'm like, I feel so bad. And it's like, I really can't, I'm incapacitated. I can't be at work. I'm not going to be in good for anyone but that was still me putting the needs of others before myself so I had to sit with that like why do I do that why do I think my health is not important enough for me to recover you know what and a lot of it too was just the the fear of like what others is going to say about me and it was not me just having the, the look of myself and being accepting of you know aside from you not doing anything else today like you're still here at the end of the day you're still enough. You still, you have done enough. If I just sit here in a bed all day, that's, that's more than enough too. So it had to come down to, to that value piece. And again, just unlearning that toxic relationship that I had with rest and how I viewed it. And what was also ingrained in me as, you know, if you're not doing something then you're being lazy and it's like, no, rest is productive. Your, your, your body's recovering. Like, you know, it's it's so important that we give ourselves that that space to recover because if we're constantly constantly on the go that your body's going to run down that's not giving your mind time to recuperate that's not giving your nervous system time to regulate itself we're always going to be in a constant state of fight or flight because our bodies are going to be in a constant state of chronic stress so it's not really lucrative if we think about it to continue to just go, 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 go. We have to first sit with what's making me want to go and why can't I stop? What, why do I have, what makes me not want to stop? So once we get to that part, then we can start moving forward and, you know, retraining our mind to have new thinking patterns. Well, I used to think, well, if I go to sleep, nothing's going to get done. Or if I just lay here really quick, nothing's going to get done. The kids are not going to eat, blah, blah, blah. Catastrophic thinking. None of that stuff's going to happen if I lay here for like five minutes. Like nothing's going to fall apart. I always tell my moms too, like your to-do list can wait. All that stuff is still going to need to be done after you get up. So <laughs> it's like doing that. And so in order for like change to really happen in our lives too, 
our brain needs to see that those things are happening. So if you have catastrophic thinking, like everything's going to go wrong if you decide to sit down, you can sit and just take notice of like how everything is okay now that you're sitting down. That's you being present in the moment and just kind of taking it in like, oh, the house isn't burning down. Nothing on my to-do list is going to like, you know, nothing's going to unravel because I'm taking this time to really be present with myself, be present with my body, listen to my body, listen to, you know, what it is that honoring my needs, honoring myself in this moment. So it's like all that stuff can wait outside of right now. And if you keep showing yourself that things are going to be okay, then it makes it a little easier. It makes it easier for your brain to process too. Like, oh, we're resting. Nothing's happening. <laughs> you know, the brain needs to see that too, so that it can make it easier for it to process later. So it needs to see those things. So for me, I had to kind of do, I guess if you want to call it like exposure therapy. So I had to like get myself out there and just, you know, take a little two minute lay down here or there. Then it starts to get more, okay, two minutes, 10 minutes. 10 minutes can turn into like 30 minutes to an hour. So it's like, we're okay. Your to-do list is still gonna be there after you're you're taking that time for yourself. So it's almost about building that hardcore evidence that when you rest, you will be okay. Yes. Mm, I love it. And what you said about making sure that your rest aligns with what part of you needs the rest like whether it's physical emotional mental because i know that i have had clients that have mentioned things like well you know i spent the day resting but i don't feel rested and it was because you know their rest was lying on the couch with netflix on in the background and they were scrolling on like TikTok or social media but it wasn't their bodies that needed physical rest it was like their emotional state and their mental mind that needed the rest and because they were still being stimulated through social media and Netflix, like they weren't actually doing a form of rest that aligned with them and what lit their soul up. Like they needed to do arts and craft or get out in nature or things like that to actually feel like their cup had been topped up. So I think that that was such an important piece that you touched on. I know that you mentioned that for you, especially sometimes when you rested, it came down to other people's opinions and what are they going to think of me? how's this going to play out in their mind how do you go about navigating that and kind of letting go of other people thinking about other people's opinions and what they're going to think of you for me i always tell myself people are going to talk regardless if you're doing good or bad so you kind of just got to let them talk so it's like you have to be it takes a level of security too in yourself to know that you don't change just because people's opinions change. And I had to tell my son this too the other day. It's like, you know, when he gets dressed, he always say, well, mommy, do you like what I have on? And I, I go, I love what you have on, but how do you feel about how you have on? Do you love it? And I say, if you love it, babe, then that's all that matters because I, my opinion can change. I can decide that I, I don't like what you have on anymore. That shouldn't sway the way that you feel about how you look and how you feel right now. Like, Everyone's opinions are going to change. They're going to talk whether you're doing good, whether you're doing bad. It's going to have to take that security and knowing that like, I'm still going to be me at the end of the day, regardless of like what people are saying. So when I start to, and those moments still come up because I still get fear about a lot of things. And it's also to just honoring those emotions and that fear that comes up, which we don't have to shoo it away or make it go away. It's kind of like guilt, like that those type of emotions are always going to come up. It's how we respond to them. So by honoring it and saying, you know, I have a fear of like what people are going to say, like sit with that. Why, why do I fear what people are going to say? Is it going to change how I am as a person? Is it going to change the outcomes of the situation? 
No, but I gave myself space to process that. So now I can just go on with my day. <laughs> so for me, it's like just giving myself that space if those thoughts come up to just process what's going on. Because I, I'm not going to kid you and say like, no, I don't have those feelings anymore. I could be getting ready for a speaking engagement or the podcast today. I could still have those limiting beliefs that are like, you know, oh, what if, you know, people are turning nose up and say that you're, you know, it's those thoughts. Those thoughts are still going to come, but I can honor those thoughts and sit with them and say, you know, this is my fear talking to me. This is not my reality. So again, mm -hmm. it's with you. People are going to talk. <laughs> are we going to take what they're saying and, and let it define us as who we are? We don't have to do that. But I feel like if we're not giving ourselves space to even sit with the uncomfortableness of what people say, and how that makes us feel, then it makes it even harder for us to kind of let it go. It then begins to control us. It'll You'll start to move differently because you're worried about what someone's going to say to you. But when you sit with that and say, hey, I have this fear that you know, what are people going to say? What are, how are they going to look at me? And then you can begin to, again, building that self-awareness, having that inner dialogue. Why do we feel this way? What made us feel this way? Is this the truth? No, let's give ourselves the truth. That's when you can give yourself like those affirmations. Again, with the compassion, it's, it's allowing yourself that space to feel that way. So you don't have to let judgment in by saying, oh, you know, it's wrong for me to fear what people are going to say. It's not right or wrong. It's just whatever your emotions are trying to communicate to you in that moment, you got to give yourself space to build that. Mm, 100%, absolutely. And I guess at the end of the day, it's are you living your life for you? Or are you living your life for other people? And so other people's, you know, their opinions, they're going to be there no matter what. It's just whether you actually lean into that and play into what they think or you actually just stick to your gun and do what you want to do in your life so i think that's so 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 powerful so what would you say are, are some of the you know biggest benefits or changes that you see in some of like the women's lives that you work with and also your life when they actually do start to have more self-compassion and they actually do actually make their mental health a priority um what i start to see in a lot of the moms i always like to ask them you know like what what does your schedule look like can you especially the ones that are like oh i'm too busy i'm stressed out and it's like okay what are you prioritizing are you on your list like you know where are you on your list like you know we want to get to the bottom of what's actually draining you like what is that and i i start to notice like once they start to prioritize just taking those moments to themselves and creating and cultivating moments of mindfulness whether that's journaling whether that's i am an advocate for taking the bath and taking the shower because those are still ways of self-care to me um they're having those moments in the morning where they're waking up before everyone then they can start to see like hey i woke up a little less angry today i was able to be a little bit more patient with my kids today or even with myself today and that was because you know i'm taking that time out to cultivate moments of mindfulness within my life and i'm taking that time out to have moments where i can slow down i can feel grounded where i don't feel like i'm just constantly on the go because you know, just normal everyday life, we're pulled in every direction. And if we're not prioritizing that time where we get to just sit, unwind, be, we don't have to be mommy, we don't have to be spouse, we don't have to, you know, we're just giving ourselves permission to just be in that moment. That is really going to transform your, your day 
today because you're giving yourself permission to slow down. You're giving your nervous system a chance to regulate itself. You're giving your body a chance to unwind and, and again, just be. And like you said, having that, that rest part where, you know, we're not scrolling through social media. We're unplugging and we're tuning into ourselves. We're, you know, going outside, putting our feet in the grass, giving ourselves those moments. So I've noticed that a lot with a lot of the moms, um, when they begin to just be intentional about cultivating that time with prioritizing themselves, they begin to see the difference with how they interact with themselves and also with, you know, the people around them. So when we start to put ourselves first with self-care, it not only benefits us, it benefits everyone around us too. So we have to begin to like just prioritize that. Um, and then especially for me as myself, um, again, I was someone that really battled with panic attacks and, um, anxiety, a lot of anxiety. So once I began to have those mindful moments to myself, I noticed just a decrease in in feeling of the anxiety, decrease in feeling of the panic, and you know, just with the fear of the unknown and all that. Because uh, I used to battle tremendously with my anxiety. I had a horrible fear of future events that wouldn't happen. I just convinced myself that everything would go wrong. Um, and I would be too far into my future or I would be too stuck in my past with just replaying my mistakes and think it, with the guilt and the shame. I was under a lot of that. But once I start to practice just being present, being present with myself, being present in the moment and just worrying about the right here, right now, I start to notice that I was less stressed. Um, anxiety was lowered. And that's because I was giving myself permission to just be right here. And a lot of us are either stuck too far in our futures and we're worried about future events or we're locked in our past and we're replaying events that already happened. And one way we can get ourselves out of that is to just be grounded in this moment right here and say, you know, my past, that's who I was before. I forgive that person. I love that person. I forgive her for what she didn't know. I forgive her for those things. And that that just leaves space. And also, too, if you're grieving like your past self, grieve that past self. That gives space for you to be open to your new self, this new version of you. So that, for me, that has helped me embrace this new version of who I am right now with just being aware and being, you know, forgiving of who I was before and just happy about who I'll be in the future. But I don't need to worry about her right now. I need to worry about this version of who I am right here, right now, because that's who needs my attention. That's the, the person that needs my love the most right now and affection is this version of who I am. So I always encourage my moms that too. Like if you're grieving a past version of yourself, grieve that. Give yourself mm -hmm. permission to do that so that you can embrace fully this version of who you are right now. So that's the benefits that I've seen from just moms being able to cultivate that space and prioritize their time and make little moments of mindfulness throughout their day to day. Mm, absolutely. And where would you say that they even start with putting things in that puts themselves first? Because obviously there's going to be feelings of guilt that come into play here because they have gone so long, you know, putting their kids first or putting, you know, other things first, work, relationships, those priorities. And now they're carving time out for themselves. So where can they start with that? Do you recommend like starting small, building big or another way? And then how do you navigate the feelings of guilt that would come into play? I would say you start by, I always like to say like journaling. For me, I feel like yeah. journaling just gives you a space to like, just get it all out of your head. But when you're journaling, be intentional about the questions that you're asking yourself. So if you're on a journey of say self-discovery, 
um, start to write down like things that you like now or things that you like from the past. Um, and it's just giving yourself that space to start. You also have to check to see too as well um, your relationship with self-care. Again, if you were taught that self-care is wrong or is bad, we have to remove the judgment from that and just see self-care as what it is. It's neither good nor bad. It's it's you know a necessity. It's necessary for you to go to your day-to-day. -day. Think about when you go to the doctor here, they always send you home with self-care instructions of how to take care of yourself when you leave the office. So it's the same with you know, your day to day, you can look at it that way. For my moms that struggle with the idea of like putting themselves first, one of my favorite quotes says, self-care is not me first, it's me too. So it's also, you take care of your kids, I'm taking care of myself too. My kids got something to eat. I don't want to eat cold food, so I'm going to take this time to eat, you know, hot food. I'm taking care of myself too. And if that means I have to eat my dinner after everyone goes to bed, I'm being intentional about sitting and eating a hot meal where I can sit and enjoy it and I'm not rushing and I don't have to wipe anyone's mouth or do all that stuff. So first I would say you you kind of have to build that self-awareness piece with knowing your perspective of self-care. Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? Um, you know, again, do you have judgment or shame surrounding it? Then we want to make sure that we don't begin to categorize it as good or bad. Um, just look at what self-care is to you because we get to define it. I think a lot of the times with self-care, I'm noticing just in this day and age, because we it's just so much shame and judgment kind of everywhere with what people decide to do. We always say like self-care, self-care, self-care. But then in the, the flip side, it's so many of different accounts and things that I've seen just on social media where they're demonizing kind of like how moms are choosing to self-care. So it's like, I can't preach to you self-care and then tell you how you self-care is wrong. If you're, if what you're doing is what refuels your soul, I can't say, no, don't do that. That's not self-care. That's self-care. If you want to take a walk, that's self-care. If you want to sit in your car and eat your snacks by yourself, hide from your kids, that's self-care. Like whatever makes you happy and makes you feel like you again and refuels you to feel like you're at your best. So again, you have to slow down for a little bit and sit with, you know, what does self-care look like for me? Mm -hmm. What is my relationship with self-care? Was it something that was shown to me when I was younger? How did my mom self-care? How did the women in my life self-care? Um, a lot of the times we also can't really do it because we weren't shown how to do it or it was, you know, in our, I don't know, for women, it's like we almost have to be a martyr. Like we are the sacrificial lamb. So we have mm -hmm. to sacrifice ourselves think that we do. I think that you can absolutely take care of the needs of your, your family and those around you without denying the needs of yourself or ignoring your needs too. That's why I love that quote of self-care is not me first, it's me too. It's I'm taking care of my kids. I'm going to take care of myself too. Everyone else is fed. I'm going to feed myself too. Everyone else is, you know, you're, you know, the needs of everyone else so deeply. And a lot of us just really do not know our own needs the same way. And that means that we're not that in tune with ourselves. We're not leaning into ourselves like we're giving, again, that same grace, love, and attention that we give everyone else so freely. We lack that for ourselves. So sitting with that and defining, you know, what self-care would look like for me. You can start with doing like little things. Like we said, if, you know, taking a walk after you get off of work or unplugging or you know, try a bunch of different things. So you find out like what self-care is to you. For some, it's walking around Target with your Starbucks. <laughs> like for others, that's, you know, that's not self-care for me or, you know, 
and being okay with what self-care for you. So again, removing the judgment. Um, if you start to feel that guilt, guilt again, just like shame is, it's kind of one of those emotions that it doesn't really go away. So something is going to trigger guilt, but it's how we respond to it, you know? So it's, you can begin to have that inner dialogue and honor the guilt is what I like to say, because again, it's something that doesn't really go away, but you can honor it by just sitting with it. What's making me feel guilty? Why do I feel guilty? Again, asking those questions so you begin to, you know, build that curiosity and dig a little more as to, you know, what's making me feel guilty about this? Why do I feel guilty for taking a break away from the kids? Or why do I feel guilty for wanting time away from my partner to just do something for myself? You know, what is it that's making me feel that way? Once we begin to identify what is causing the guilt, then you can, again, offer that self-compassion. You can begin to offer yourself a truth. Again, sometimes with the guilt is, you know, if I, for me, it was, if I spent time away from my kids, then, you know, they'll think I'm a bad mom. They'll think that I don't love them. It's like, that's not reality. So I have to give myself a truth in that moment. The reality is I'm afraid of being away from my kids. And I'm afraid that it's going to make them think that mommy doesn't love them. Do I love my kids? Absolutely. So me being away from my kids then does not equate to me not loving them. So again, you have to have those. And sometimes those conversations can be very uncomfortable because you have to sit with, you know, the reality of maybe a faulty thinking pattern or, you know, sometimes the, the stuff that we fear is generational and it's generational trauma that's passed on to us. Maybe you didn't see, you know, someone before you take a break or again, we get on social media and people are praising not taking a break away from their kids or something like that. So it leaves us in spaces where the guilt can come in. But again, we have to sit with that and, and say like, is this a truth or, or not? You can decide that for yourself. Yeah. You got to put your oxygen mask on first before you can put it on for other people. When you actually start to show up for yourself, you end up being the better version of yourself to everyone else around you, which I think is so powerful and it's so important. And so for women that have started to become a little bit self-aware of this is something that they want to work through. They don't want to live in this constant high-stressed state where they're in that fight or flight and they know that the nervous system is so dysregulated because, you know, one child throws a tantrum and they're like thrown out of whack as well and they don't know how to navigate their way through that or maybe they're going through a day that just feels so incredibly overwhelming and they're not 100 percent sure how to regulate their moods and emotions how do you recommend they ask for help and whether that's from you know family from their partner or from reaching out for help for them to go on and start their own journey of mindfulness and discovering their true selves like where do they begin because i know for a lot of women again, plays into that vulnerability, right? Of maybe they feel a little bit weak or they feel like they're failing because they have to ask for help because they've put this expectation on themselves that they can do everything on their own. I would say it it comes to a point where you have to make a decision as well as, do I want to continue to stay this way? Is it benefiting me at all to be, you know, for me, I became so overstimulated that like, it just presented itself as anger. And I don't have to tell my kids like, mommy's not angry. Like I'm just really overstimulated and I don't know how to, you know, regulate myself or I'm trying to regulate you. And it's like, you know, I, I needed help in that moment. So it's, it's again, having that vulnerability and having 
that moment to yourself where you have to say, you know, I need help. And whether that's reaching out to a friend, um, I always recommend community, whether you're in like a mom group or whatever, if you, there's so many different resources out here too, that's available to us to say like, you know, I I need help in this area. Um, And again, it's going to take courage. It takes courage to change. It takes courage to admit that you need help, Um, especially with, with women. We start to feel like we're failing if we're not doing like all the things and, you know, it it's with that vulnerability piece, it's, you know, laying out, like, again, if you're journaling, you can begin to put out, just lay it out, those expectations. What are these unrealistic expectations that I set for myself? Where did those come from? Um, and I always say, if you need help, just with processing all those things, can it, because it can get overwhelming when you start to like pulling off the layers in that. Um, that's when it's it's okay to start to reach out to seek professional help. Um, again, there's a lot of different resources that you can reach out to, and I'll be happy to provide those um, if necessary. But it, it's going to take that intentional moment of saying that you know, I I want to change. Mm-hmm. And I can no longer continue to, I don't want to feel this way any longer. I don't want to be in a state of constant stress. I don't want to have chronic stress because that begins to break down your body health-wise that, you know, so it's like, you have to be the one that says, I mean, even if it's trauma stuff, it may not have started with you, but it can stop with you, but you have to, you know, slow down enough to become aware of what's actually going on inside of you. So I think um, if you're at that place, then congratulations, like you, you built that level of awareness where you know that something's not right with me. A lot of mm-hmm. people don't get there. They can um, kind of intellectualize what's wrong, but they're not actually like feeling it. <laughs> they can kind of talk and say, you know, this is happening, but they're also not reaching. So if you're in a point where you're like, look, something has to change. I no longer want to feel this way that I would recommend to you know, start to reach out to friends, um, someone that you can trust to hold that information. And, you know, that's going to be a safe person for you. Um, There's groups that you could reach out to as well. If you can do like um, mom groups, mental health groups and all that. Um, And again, if it's too hard for you, just, you know, overwhelming, I would absolutely recommend seeking professional help, but it's going to take that time of you saying that you need the help and being okay with saying you need the help. Cause it, like I said, it takes courage. I don't know why we think that, you know, saying we need help is a weakness. Mm. It takes a lot of strength to really say that you need help. It takes a lot of courage to say that. So I think in those moments, you're being the most courageous, you're being the strongest. Strength is not found in denying the way that you feel or trying to hold it all in. I, To me, I think that shows that, you know, we're not giving ourselves that space. And I don't want to say that that's a weakness because we're holding it in, but I think, you know, what we think of strength is quite opposite of what we've been taught of as what strength is. It takes a lot of strength to say, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of strength to say, I need help. It takes a lot of strength. Think about someone that is like reaching up for help. Sometimes we we use all of the strength that we have just to kind of reach out depending on, you know, what the situation is. So just know that it's you're in a courageous spot to to say that, you know, I no longer want this for me. I want change. It, mm-hmm. it, it takes so much courage to even start the process of changing. So be encouraged that 
one, you have reached a level of awareness where you can now see that, you know, there's some things that's going on inside of me and I need help. So that's that's step one. Step number two is actually going out to get the help. Look for the resources. Look for, again, those safe spaces where you feel comfortable with saying how you feel. And again, if you're not in the space of feeling comfortable with talking to others, you could start that self-vulnerability with just journaling everything that's wrong um, and just kind of just putting it out there so you can also see it so that you can also tell someone else what's going on. Yeah, agreed. And there is so much strength in wanting to better yourself and become that best version of yourself for you and for everyone around you. I think that's absolutely incredible. Now, I do have some quick fire questions for you. Are you ready for these? Yes. First one is, what is one thing that you must do every morning to set your day up? I have to light a candle or put like a, a wax of melt, a uh, uh, wax melt in. And it has to be, my favorite is my, um, it is lavender lemonade. It is the best smell. <laughs> it smells so good. I have to start my day with that. So I'll light either light my candle or I'll put like a wax melt like in the bathrooms or by my desk. So I have to start my day that way. Aromatherapy. Yeah. What is one thing everyone can do every day to improve their life? Gratitude. You can practice gratitude every day. There is something in every day that you can be thankful for. Yeah, I love it. What is your favorite quote and why? Favorite quote? Um, again, self-care isn't me first, it's me too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Amazing. Now, one question that I do love to ask all my podcast guests is, in the distant future, when you're looking back at your life, what do you think will be your biggest achievement or one thing that you'll be most proud of? And now this might be something that you've actually already done, or it could also be something that you are hoping to do in the future. Um, what I'm hoping to do in the future is become a doctor so I can study neuroscience to, again, see wow. what does like to the brain um, and how it affects us emotionally, mentally. So I can okay. see myself as a future doctor. Um, of course, like my kids, I know they're just going to grow up to be amazing people. Um, and yeah, so I think hope those will be like my biggest accomplishments in the future. My future self, I can see her doing big things. <laughs> oh, wow, that's incredible. I love that. Now, did you want to tell the audience what you have coming up? Is anything exciting for them and where the listeners can actually go to find you? I'm sure you can. Um, I actually have a... Uh, documentary that's coming out in July. So hopefully we'll be able to get that um, mm -hmm. on social media platforms so we can check that out too. It's called Redefining Motherhood. Um, yeah. It's with purple moms and it's a beautiful documentary of just different moms from different walks of life, but just in seeing it, you see how similar we all are. That's why I love the power of just sharing your story because it you share your one story, like no mom has to ever feel alone with how, what she's dealing with. And I just love that. Um, I also am partnered with the Oath app and we have a community for um, stress and mental health. So download the Oath app. It is free um, and you have access to professionals. So if you are needing help and you have questions that you may be embarrassed to ask, you can absolutely download that app and the professionals are literally right at your fingertips. So that's what I'm working on right now. Um, and you can find me again on social media. Um, my brand page is at Concealer and a Prayer Life. 
Um, that's my brand there. Or you can find me on my personal page. It's Tierra Burton um, on Instagram and TikTok. So that's how you can find me. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Tierra, for coming on and sharing everything that you have with us today for your story and all the amazing insights that you gave. I'm sure that the listeners got so much out of today's episode. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you again for having me. I am so glad that you could join us today for this episode. It was absolutely incredible. I would love to hear what your key takeaways were. So just head over to my Instagram, which is KJ Wellness with three S's and send me through a DM. I always love chatting with you and really hearing your feedback about my podcast. I will chat with you in the next episode very soon. Until then, you take care. Bye.